Hey guys, welcome back to the Back Yourself Show. So last week we had the incredible Switched On. Their attitude towards building an really challenging what an MVP is was absolutely inspired. Uh, I highly recommend you have a listen to that show. It's, it's really great. Um, also, they talk about specifically their funding journey, the kind of things they put in their pitch deck, and they've had three rounds of absolute success. And it's still relatively early stage. They're also taking on giants within the industry and they're tiny and they're winning. It's a brilliant story. I really love it. Definitely check it out. Um, so uh, in response to a few questions, people will ask me a lot of time, like, what's my advice for fundraising or and also what are the worst mistakes that are made by startups. And we talk about it every week and we talk about fundraising and so forth. So what I've started doing, I started writing some articles about that. So if you want to check them out, they're at um, they're on my Medium page, which is at Thomas Ferry, at Thomas Ferry, F-A-I-R-E-Y. And I've collected some of the worst mistakes you can make as a startup. So some great ways to ruin it. But I've also spoken about, written an article about how you can accelerate your fundraising journey and have a bit more success there. Some of the pitfalls and some things you can do right and some things that have worked well for other people, but have also worked well for me. So look, check them out. Please do. Um, also, a shout out this week. Uh, we don't have any sponsors. We're not sponsored. This is just f- coming from me because these guys have done me a favor and I absolutely want to recommend them to you. And that is the Angel Investment Network. Angel Investment Network. They are... Principally, what it does is it allows you to create a profile page where you can talk about your company and why you're raising money and all about your team and so forth in a really fairly good UI, but they have access to hundreds of thousands of investors on there. Um, we've raised some money through there for stakes. You can go and check us out and we've had some great success, uh, but they are a really great team there and they have loads of different ways you can reach that audience. They will check out your pitch, make sure it works. And I really recommend it. And it's a really, it's a really great way to raise. So definitely um, check those guys out. Angel Investment Network, if you're trying to raise. This week on the show, we have a guy that he is, he's crazy intelligent. He's a little bit crazy full stop actually, but he's just so smart and so incredible. And his story is great. And I love his viewpoint on the world of startups. He's Max Kelly. He's the SVP of strategy over at Techstars, um, the the best accelerator in the world by all accounts. And so he sees more startups than probably anyone actually. And previously he worked at Virgin and he has a great track record and some has a really intelligent approach to things. I took a lot away from this, particularly around the best way to approach certain problems, um, how to approach getting onto an accelerator and raising money, some really great fundamental questions for you as a startup. I really hope you enjoy the show. Um, as always, drop me some questions on Twitter, DM me at backyourselfpod. Um, some really great questions coming through. I actually asked a couple in this episode. Keep that up. Uh, please like and share and please remember to subscribe. Thanks a lot. Bye. So thanks so much for coming on the pod. I really appreciate it. Um, let's get straight into it. Imagine we're on a first date. Just tell me who you are and what you do. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so as flirty as possible. Okay. <laughs> uh, so who am I? I? I'm Max Kelly. I am the Senior Vice President of Strategy for Techstars. Okay. Um, what that means is I am working out the future of where Techstars is going around the world. Okay. And are you, so as an SVP, so you used to be an MD. Yeah. And now you're even more senior. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I was I ran the accelerator in London for three classes. Um, Is that three years? Three years. Yeah. Okay. So we run on an annual cycle. Okay. 
So that's three years. And then having done that, um, which was super fun, uh, but incredibly tiring. I was like, I probably, I probably, I there's only so many times I can do this. Yeah. Um, but previously I'd worked for 12 years in the Virgin Group and there I was all about starting up companies and doing the strategy. So since running the accelerators, I had started, I, I um, have first of all done the innovation role uh, Textiles now doing strategy. Can I take a step back there? And that's sure. something you said that's really interesting. So you you said you did three cohorts in a row. Yeah. Now let's talk about that role first. So if you've done those three cohorts in a row, how many how many people are applying to do those? How many people are getting onto those? Yeah. So London's one of the um, one of the kind of popular most popular after kind of New York and possibly LA. I think LA is about the same. Is that because it, of where it is? It's or because is it, of where it is. Yeah. I mean, it's such a hub for Europe yeah. that lots and lots of people want to apply. So you're attracting people from all across the continent. Um, so about 80% of the people who would come into Textiles London would be international or certainly right. board international. So um, the, we'd go out and, you know, speak at conferences, go and I, I would do... I'd do a lot of office hours. So I'd go to a country or a city and spend, you know, meet 15 companies during the day, host a, an evening drinks, uh, and then maybe have an evening meal with some VCs in, in that particular city, maybe stay overnight or not. And that, and that would be between me and my program manager, we went to 21 countries, I think. Um, what every year? Or so like that, yeah. So that, yeah. In our recruitment phase, Maybe it wasn't quite. No, I think it was that Jeez, many. It was a that lot. Is, that is a lot. To yeah, do. yeah, yeah. And so we, I mean, we we're just, it's deal flow. So we were getting, we would, and, and my view was on the office hours and in, in the drinks in the evening, I would do a pitch. Uh, I wouldn't do a pitch. That's the whole point. I would, I would share something about how to be an entrepreneur yeah. and how to be successful rather than talk about textiles. Because to be honest, if you're interested in accelerator, you'll probably can consider textiles. I just want to kind of give you a, a sense of what that would be like. Yeah. And then they'd apply. And so we got a lot. So we would get over a thousand companies applying for London, for London. And we'd take 10. How do you take 10 from a thousand? It's very tiring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, cause you, I mean, you've got, You've got ten thousand. You've got thousand people there who have, and I'm look. Let's say let's cut out the the time wasters of like yeah. fifty who haven't even, or maybe a hundred. I don't know, but like ten percent. Let's just cut them out. Okay? Yeah. And you've got nine hundred companies there where someone has put their their life and soul it, that's, into this yes, completely. And so it's, it's not like you're getting rubbish. And I'm assuming of that, I'm assuming nine hundred of them, are, or maybe maybe not, I don't know. But you tell me the stats. But like. You've got good companies there, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, it, yes, there definitely are good companies in there. Yeah. Um, the so so about five about half of them would have. So you you can apply to uh, a particular location as your first choice. So we had about f just over five hundred as London's first choice, and and somewhere else's second choice would be about five hundred. So in London, I'm yeah. outraged that we weren't the first choice for everyone. Correct. <laughs> 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 Me too. Yeah, uh, and and so we would then have. Um, uh, I would desk review. Now the reality is, I for me and my program manager, program director would over a period of that three months would be tracking some companies we really liked before and, they'd applied. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because we want to we want to have a kind of a running list of the the companies that we'd find interesting, and then and then we want to look in the pool. 
Um, but the reality is the strongest companies always came through referral. Um, and we have a very broad network. So I'd reach out to the network, say, have you seen anything that's interesting or new? They'd refer. I think I would normally have two or 300 kind of that I'd be tracking in there. And I'd speak to most of those in kind of some form in the in the kind of three or four months of recruiting that we'd be doing. Yeah. And and I'd maybe be keeping, you know, a running list of the top 40 that I was interested in. But then separate, I'd be looking at the pool. And and so we'd then go through every one of those. The way that I did it was uh, review the full thousand and take it down to a desk review of 80. So that would, that would cut out uh, that would cut out a whole bunch. We'd then go from the 80, um, three of us would get on a call with each, each of us would get on a call with all 80 individually. We'd, yeah. So that would be whatever, 240 calls. And then we'd take that down to 40. So we'd spend a full day then reviewing the 80 to take it down to 40. We'd then, the, the three of us again would then get in a room this time and interview and we'd pull in a whole bunch of other people from Techstars uh, or our network who would then do more calls uh, and that would take it down to 20 and then we'd have a face-to-face um, to take it from 20 to 10. So uh, I think some of the companies, particularly if they're deeper tech and we'd done some due diligence on them, we'd have we'd have spoken to them maybe 14, 15 times before they actually get into the accelerator. That's a heartbreaker. As a guy who's been through one of those processes, like if someone spoke to me 14 or 15 times and then, and then said, said no, oh yeah, BTW, <laughs> yeah, 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 you're not coming in. I was going to... So but I, actually, the interesting thing is we try and make it really useful for them on the way through. And, and it's weird, even because I would then have a one-to-one debrief with all of the 10 that didn't get in of the final 20. And I sort of have a face-to-face and I would give them feedback as to what had worked, what hadn't. And, and th- it was very, very often they would say that was an unbelievably helpful process because it made us properly think of, about our business. We talked to some amazing people on the way through and got some good guidance. So it was surprising that even though they didn't get in, they were kind of appreciative of the process. Yeah. And I think that's in and of itself, that was a valuable thing for them. Yeah. Um, and I, not, I, not for everyone. Some people are pretty pissed off. Of but, course they are. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, because there's a the monetary element to it as well. Yeah, and they yeah. might be expecting that. And I can certainly, from my perspective, so I know Eamon Carey very well. Um, and I had a chat with him about stakes a long time ago. And I know, Chris, I know Kerry Ritz, your entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. A great friend of mine. Yeah. And <clears throat> just interacting with people sometimes, just every time you meet with someone in that process, you not by, by osmosis, but you're getting some advice. Like every time, if you speak with someone who knows what they're talking about, you'll get something which will help you improve your business most of the time anyway. Yeah, so sure. there's definitely, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. even if you're not getting through that process to the end, you're still learning as you go. Yeah. There's a couple of things I, I, I prepared to ask you a few questions um, about that process and some secrets. I'm going to ask you them anyway, but one thing that's come out of that, which I didn't expect you to say is that it turns out that the best way to get onto Techstars is to not apply, is to be referred. Correct. Yeah. So how do how do you do that? So you just, you need, somehow you need to network your way through to the person who's the managing director on that particular accelerator. And I think that's probably the case for any accelerator, not just Techstars accelerators, but any of them. Because if, if someone's willing to put some of their own personal credibility on the line by recommending a company to the managing director, the very fact they're doing that carries some weight with the person who's receiving it. And it's a lot of how VC works as well in terms yeah. of kind of referral and recommendation. Yeah. And so it, it, going to your question though, how do you do it? You have to work out, you know, go on LinkedIn, see who you know, who knows that person, and then actually how strong are those connections? 
connections. And then if you if those direct connections aren't strong enough, then, okay, where's that person going to be? Okay, they, I, I'll, I'll find out where they're going to be speaking. I'll go and go and introduce myself at the end and ask whether I can have a 15-minute call afterwards. You know, any way to kind of crack, you know, wind your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's some of the hustle of being an entrepreneur. You, you know, have like, to find your way in. Can I drill into that a little bit? Because, yeah. you know, I've... I've been in that position myself. Um, I'm a sales guy by background. I didn't, yeah. I didn't find the process difficult, right? Yes. But if you're not a sales guy, yes. like if someone says to you, you've got to go and work the network, they're probably thinking, who's listening to this now, they're thinking, what the fuck? How do I even begin to? And also if I say I see you at a conference, right? Yeah. And like, you know, you're, as I said to you earlier, a, a Beanus, <laughs> big nice. name in startups. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay. Big Max Kelly. And you're like, you see, and you're like, he's, he's, he's the SVP of Techstars. Can I just walk up to that guy and just without annoying him and just say, here's my company. Let's talk. Can we grab a coffee? Like, how do you, what's your advice as someone who people are trying to go and speak to? How does someone network with you? So per, the, the, um, on that particular one, if you're, breaking someone's flow of whatever they're doing and trying to break into it unless you just happen to get lucky then you're going to disrupt whatever they're doing and that's not going to be a brilliant outcome however if you say if you go out to them and say listen here's my card i'd love to have a chat or should we link in on linkedin and i'd love to follow up with a 15 minute call when you've got some time don't make it onerous but just you know i'd love yeah. your advice whatever that one of the classic things is ask for advice get money you know that it really does help you say i'd really like your opinion on x people you know you're playing someone's ego they're going to be saying oh yeah no i know about x yeah and they're going to give you advice um and so i i wouldn't try and it's like trying to close you know have a meeting with a vc or an angel and trying to close yeah. on the first meeting it's not going to happen so how do you how do you kind of you know breadcrumbs you know little little steps towards getting the outcome you want I like that. And actually, Max, credit to you. That's the best answer I've had from anyone. Um, do you, um, and so if, if you're in that super early stage, how do you find them? Just find out where people are speaking. Go. To, do, you, do you advise going to any, like angel meetups or tech meetups or like, do you, I mean, LinkedIn smashing is a, it's a classic. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, but it's like your percentage success rate is going to be low. Low. But you might be successful, like yeah. you know. But yeah, it's I, I mean, I'd more use LinkedIn to work out who you know who knows that person, yeah. rather than okay. trying to reach out to that person because that okay. person's going to get you know. Depending on, I mean, I've got a thousand people who are outstanding that that want to be my friend on LinkedIn. I mean, it's just a thousand people outstanding. Yeah, wait. Well, I, mean, I mean, that's a, that's a, congrats. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big list. No, yeah, I mean, I've, but I've got five thousand people who are yeah, going yeah, LinkedIn. Exactly. So I mean, it, it, but it. I mean, it's not a strong, it's not a yeah, strong yeah, yeah, yeah. signal. Whereas if I know someone who knows that person and I, my connection to the first person is actually pretty strong, yeah. then I can ask them, I can talk to them and say, look, I'd love to, be, can you introduce me? Now, often, you know, just the nature of LinkedIn, those, those relatively weak links. So you can never guarantee that. But that's how I'd use it. I wouldn't yeah. try and kind of spam people. Not, I mean, you might, we had a, an excellent startup go through and she had an amazing way of, of kind of communicating to people. Um, uh, where she would she would basically just do a full review of who they are. So she'd go online, look at any YouTube videos, look at their you know their their own personal website if they have one, their, where they were, everything, and pull together something that's so personalised that it would feel like they she that, that that she really knew them. Mm. And when you get something like that, it's like oh, this isn't some sort of standardised thing where it's bullshit. It's like oh, here is someone who actually really is interested in me. I might respond. But that I mean, it's a lot of work, but it. That does tend to get a reasonable amount of conversion. But 
but, but I think you have to, it's, a, it's about human connection. You want real connection with these people. Yeah. And that's also one of the other things. It shouldn't be transactional. So you can't just go, I want to speak to you. It's just like, okay. I, yeah. So what? Um, it's, it's like, I, I see that you, you're really interested in, in, you know, in data companies and you've invested in five of these things. Uh, I, I've got a data company. You must know a lot about the issue that I've got, which is whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I'd love to talk to you about that and, and make it human, make it so that you've understood the other person rather than just this kind of cold transaction. I want to get into textiles. You're the MD. I'd like to speak to yeah. you. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a hundred degree. And I think it's such a, I'm a hundred on the same page as you. And I don't understand why people think that trying to interact with a human being is different to trying to interact with a company or vice versa. So if I'm trying to sell to someone in a, um, into a, in a big company, an enterprise, okay, I'm selling to an individual. I'm just going to go and find out like, what posts have they done on LinkedIn? What are they worried about? Who? What are the kind of problems they're going to be facing within their job? And then that's how you're going to pitch them. Yeah. You're not just going to go, hey, my company does X. Yeah. Let's chat. And why would it be any different if you're trying to get advice from someone who you're going to try and maybe leverage their position to get you on something that you want to achieve or you want to get some investment from them? Why wouldn't you take exactly the same approach? Yeah. Yeah. Because, and you're right, you're telling to people all the time. And also the, the other thing is maybe, maybe... I mean, if, whether it doesn't really matter whether it's a textiles MD or a VC or an angel or whatever. It's like maybe maybe you don't want to go direct to that person. Maybe you, you know that someone knows them really well, and you've got you've got a way to get to that person. And if you engage with them properly, they'll make the introduction. Clearly, they will. Yeah. And there's multiple ways. So don't think it's working your network. That doesn't actually mean anything. What it means is actually what you have to do is connect with real people in a genuine fas- fashion and, and people love to help. So if you're, if you're genuine work wanting help and, yep. and, and you're passionate about what you're doing, you can connect with people and they'll connect you to others. And hundred percent. If you, and also if you are working with startups generally as, as a person, you know, that person just fucking loves helping people yeah. because that is yeah. 90% of what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. that's it, right? Yeah. Someone comes to you and says, can you help me with X? If you work in a startup company, you're going to yeah. say yes yeah, most yeah. of the time. For sure. So taking a step back, looking at those, um, this, I'd, I'd love to get your, your brain on this because I know you've done it so much, right? So when you apply to anything as an accelerator, first of all, we'll talk about accelerators and the fake rubbish waste of time accelerators later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Who are, Probably them another time. But the what are some of the the things where you're like, you see it on a pitch deck or you see it in an application, you're like, I'm out <laughs> straight away. Yep. And also, what is your advice to making that look good? Like it's I always I think when you know when you see an application for something and you get that um you get that form pop up and you start filling it out and it's like explain what you do in one sentence, add this in, give me this, this, and you're yeah. like uh, how do I get myself noticed? What's some of the strategies that have helped people get noticed with you? So, so uh, uh, the two things are just an absolute winner. One, one the, well, the first is what we've just been talking about, which mm. is make sure you you've been introduced and actually someone you, you yeah. already know. So, if you if you're going. We have done analysis of how many come from pool versus how many are recommended, and the kind of the more the longer the period of time that an MD has been in place, the, the more likely it is to come through a recommendation. So you don't okay. want, just because their network is stronger and stronger over time, yeah. and therefore because of that, they're more likely to get quality recommendations. Okay. Um, 
so that's the first thing and probably most important. The second then is uh, on our application, we ask for videos and, 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 and it, what the video is doing is, 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 is demonstrating who you are as people. Yeah. Uh, the quality of the relationships and the founding team. Um, what the what the offer is that you're taking to market. Um, kind of really understand, really beginning to kind of get to yeah. grips with that. And so what I would, you know, going through 500 of these things in a couple of weeks, I would be, you know, I'd be pushing the, the video and listening to what they were saying, maybe watching it if it's a fun one, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. looking at product demo, whatever. Yeah. And then I'd be going down and I'd be taking the highlights out of the application. So really long stuff. I'm like, I've got 500 of these to get through. Yeah. It's overwhelming. I'd prefer to have very kind of clear, sharp views of what this thing does, what stage they're at, have they raised any money. Um, we did do an analysis um, of... Uh, the things that were most indicative of whether a company was going to be successful to get through. And it was a while ago. It's probably three years ago that I looked at this. One, one of the things that was definitely, uh, well, and, and what we, actually what we found was there, were, there weren't things that necessarily guaranteed you in, but there were quite a few things that meant that you wouldn't get in. Love that. And so those, those were things that, I, okay, what are those? So one is if you're not full-time. If you're not full time yet on an ex on your thing, how committed really are you? Yeah. Now sometimes there's some mitigating circumstances. You know, you're actually doing a part time thing else over here, and that's actually contributing to the thing you're doing. Okay. So that that kind of beneficial. Yep. So, but um, so that's one thing. Um, solo founders, as in so an individual, unless that person's kind of just you know that it's the fifth start that they're doing, and they're going to pull. 15 yeah, people sure. in whatever. Yeah, sure. That's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's like if they're an, an individual, yeah. uh, that's pretty tough. Uh, we tend to look for co-founders, but um, we, we'll, we will take um, sole founders, but they should have a strong team around them and they demonstrated they worked with that team before. Uh, another thing is uh, approach towards technology. Um, so we almost always, and it's part of the kind of accelerator and it's not necessarily a reflection of how to do business, is we want someone who's a CTO in place or certainly a te technology lead in place. In the starting team. In the, in, in the team. Because if they, if they come into an accelerator and they are learning an enormous amount from mentors and they're doing product iterations, but they've got no capability to actually code in the team, then they can't actually do those changes yeah. fast enough and they can't make the progress that they should be making. Yeah. And that will stunt them in terms of the opportunity mm. of doing the three months. So it's not necessarily the case. I mean, generally speaking, I would say you don't want to outsource all of your IT yes. or your, all of your tech um, generally. Um, but, uh, it, you know, you can see for particularly some of the, the audience here, you know, at the earliest stages, you may not either be able to find someone or afford someone and, and actually having a dev shop do an MVP so that you'll, you've got something to yep. show. That's actually not necessarily a bad idea, but specifically for accelerators, they will tend to want a technology team in place. Um, we, you know, if people have been able to pull together um, some sort of uh, funding round, normally a pre-seed or a seed, that's an indication it's that It's quite a nice validation, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah, that's it, right. helps, so, it helps some you. Other people yeah. have said that this is a good idea or that they believe yeah. in the team. 
Or I, I always say, someone said that to me the other day and I was thinking, yeah, it's good. It's good validation of your product. I said, it's, well, it's one of two things. It's either good validation that you're good at selling. Yes. Yeah. Or you've got a good product, and which are both good things. Either of those things are good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you can convince people it's a good idea, you can probably convince other people. Yeah. So we'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you say about the, um, about the, the, the sole founder thing's an interesting one because the truth is, Everyone starts as a sole founder and then you find another co-founder. Really, yeah. There's always one first, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. But I think, you know, you, it's good. It's interesting that you... Not always, always. Sometimes people work, say, I want to work together and then they'll oh, come they, up yeah, with an idea. Yeah, they come with an idea. But yeah, that but does Generally happen. speaking, you're there's, right. There's Someone, someone's passionate about it. going to be and a find someone else. Um, so I get that. And I think, you know, I, I firmly believe that you... It's almost impossible to start a company on your own. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's who, who is going to go into battle with? Who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to share that burden with? Because it's a heavy one, right? And so it's yeah. right to have that. And having that split between who is going to do the, who's going to win the customers and who's going to build the product. You've got to have that balance. And it's very rare that you get one person that fits both of those bills because yeah. yeah, it's traction and product. It's 50-50, yeah. right? Um, the, um, the, I get the, the point about the, the market validation. You said something else, which was a red flag, which I've forgotten now as soon as I said that. And I was just trying to, what was it? We'll cut that out. What was it you said was the first thing that was the red flag? It was the, it was the, it was the co-founders. You look at more co-founders. You look at the tech. Cash. Some, full time is the first thing. Oh, full time. Sorry. Yeah, that was it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was really good. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, we'll edit this well. <laughs> <laughs> and the third thing you mentioned, which was really interesting to me, was about the um, the full time. Now, I'm pretty Machiavellian about this. And I don't know how you feel, but I always think like, if you cannot afford to do this full time and give up some time, yeah, don't start a company because because oh. you've got to commit. Yeah. You can't just rock up and expect other people to fund your existence whilst you you partly figure this out. Am I am I wrong in so, thinking so, that? So I I have a a recommended route that I give to a lot of people who are in the really early, which is uh, either if you're 100% committed or, you know, whatever the situation is, I think if you can avoid it, avoid raising money from investors and get the cash that you need from clients. And so the I mean, way- it just sounds like general good business sense. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So what, but one of the ways to do that is if you've got, uh, if you're doing some consulting, and I, I talked to a guy about this yesterday and he was expecting me to say, yeah, go and raise around or whatever. And I was like, no, don't. Go and get paid a significant amount on a day rate to build up your knowledge, make sure that you own the IP. And then over a period of time, you will come up with a clearly validated market recommendation for the product that you have in mind. If you can't do that, that will be a strong indicator that there is no market need and therefore that will kind of invalidate or validate your hypothesis. And yeah. so, and, and you may want to pivot or you may actually want to stop at that point. But if someone is paying you to develop the thing and also validating the thing at the same time, it's yeah. like, this is awesome. And if you can bootstrap to a point where you then actually don't need to, you can take on other people, you might do some outsourcing to, to yeah. the dev, dev work, or you might kind of bring someone else in and have them part-time with you, whatever. Uh, and you build out then a product that then does this thing. And then that first client, they become your initial client, but then you jump off and have multiple other clients on the back of that. 
first of all, what it does is it gives you um, cash flow from day one. Yep. It means that you don't have to raise money and that also you get market validation. So I, I actually really like that in the model. You don't need to go to an accelerator. don't need to raise money from angels. And, and one of the reasons why... Uh, well, there's a, few, I've got, uh, one, there's a few things here. One, one is um, uh, the expected outcomes. So, so an enormous amount of startups will fail. Maybe eight out of ten. It's actually unclear. I've, I've looked at literature and tried to find properly how many fail. But anyway, it's probably eight out. Of 10. And uh, yeah, I, when I hear that as well, that stat, I'm always like. What what does failure mean? Yeah. What is a startup? Yeah, when yeah. does it stop being a startup? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, have they just done something else? Have they lost interest? Yeah. You know, like, it's really hard to tell. But anyway, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. it's a tough game. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, you get into kind of the seed round if you're raising. And the seed round can be a... Um, an angel round. And angels tend to be pretty, well, it depends how kind of where they're at in their angel journey. But they, if they're a kind of consistent angel, then they understand that the, the founder journey is really tough and um, will therefore be pretty supportive. Um, immediately you get into the VC world, you've decided to go on a treadmill because each VC round, they're giving you enough to fund you for the next 18 months. They want to see significant growth. So they want you to spend that money. And then you have to raise your next round. And then your next round. And then your next round. And, and you are on a conveyor belt at that point, or a relay race. And each time you think you're about to cross the finish line, then that's the start of the next leg. And you still have to run that leg as well. So it's it's it, there's a massive expectation there. Um, they can be enormously supportive and can grow your business very well. Um, but you need to go in with your eyes open. Um, eyes being open, CB Insights did an analysis of, of those companies that had actually had an exit. What was the uh, the median and the average amount um, that an exit occurs for any company that has VC backing? And it turns out that the median is $20 million. The average is much higher. And that's because there are outliers on the top end. Yeah. And they've removed anything from the bottom end, which is zero, because most are zero. So what they're looking at is, is so you've got this kind of a, a, a thing that kind yeah. of pe peaks at around 20 million, but then has this long tail, which means the average is higher, but yeah. the median is 20 million. Well, so the expectation, even if you've got VC funding, is 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 pretty low. So if you can bootstrap your way to that kind of outcome... If you can exit for 20 million, it's it's way easier than five times exiting for 100 million. And so... Way easier. Yeah. Because yeah. 20 million is a... Yeah, it's a big chunk, but it's like, okay, we can do that. 100 million, that's a, a serious amount of expectations on that ex, uh, on that exit. Um, if you go on the VC route and you've been through several rounds, uh, there's a company called CapTable... I think it's called CapShare. They analyzed 5,000 cap tables to look at what, at exit, what amount of equity do the founders have between them? This is going to terrify me the start. I don't want to hear and it. it's going to be between 15 to 21%. And if there's two or three founders, you end up with between 5 and 10% of your company. So if you're exiting for 100 million, you're going to walk away with 5 to 10 million. Whereas if you don't raise any bootstrap, you get to 20 million, um, which is probably three or four million of revenue gives yeah. you a 20 million business for exit. Wow, well, we could be way more than that if you've got good ARR. Well, yeah. No, I, I just yeah. mean if you want to exit for 20 million, yeah, sure. 
then the amount that you actually have to get to ARR yeah. is sort of somewhere between sort of three, yeah. three to five million, Something that sort like that. of range. So if you can get to that point, you can exit 20 million. If you own 80% of shares between the founding team, you're going to walk away with 16 million in between you. So the same sort of amount. I know. So, and it's not all about the economics because the other thing is if you haven't got on that, on that pathway, you have, you're in control of your own destiny. So it, it, there is a strong, if you read TechCrunch or you go through a Textiles Accelerator or whatever, there's a strong um, kind of um, headwind or a strong backing wind, actually, that takes you towards this VC universe. Um, and there is a real place for it, particularly for super high growth companies. But actually, a lot of companies, a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they're at the early stage, should consider all of the alternatives that are in front of them. And if you can bootstrap by actually getting funded from uh, client money and take that all the way through. The journey can be a very different journey. You won't get on the front of TechCrunch, but you will. You may end up... Uh, uh, happy happy <laughs> yeah. and richer than someone who has been on the front of it's so interesting you say you do um, do you know Alex Dunstan yeah yeah so Alex came on here and he was just like um, I mean he's a fairly outspoken chap he is he is, he is yeah <laughs> um, and he's like um, the first thing you do with a founder is you work backwards tell me what you want to actually leave with yeah because if you said 100 million you've got no idea what you do with 100 million pounds yeah yeah he's like okay how much do you need for the house how much do you need so you don't have to work anymore you know and he's like it's less than you think yeah you can get there you don't need vc money just do a small angel round or if you have you can't boot, if you've got to build the tech first you can't bootstrap no. right you can't yeah, yeah. do it and, and that yeah. is you're right there so yeah. one of the things is the nature of a lot of these companies is you have to build some stuff before you get revenue yeah. coming in and that means people and people means cost and so you have to raise some money you, you, from yeah. so, so that is often yeah, exactly and I'm going through an angel round myself now well we, we just concluded and you know it's hard it's a hard thing to do but like you know but you like that's your means to your end right you've, yeah. got, you've got to do it right yeah. in the current climate marketing is hard but do you know what isn't hard? Making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. The um, So the next question for you. Now... You see all these people and you see them all over the world. And I imagine you go to, the, you, know, you must go to the big conferences in Boulder where all the MDs come in from tech stars and you all chat about stuff. What, what is sexy right now for tech? Because there was a time when it was all about data and then it was all about social and then health tech seems to be quite popular now. What are the stuff that you're thinking? Because you, in your position, you're in such a unique position that blows my mind for people who work in accelerators or VCs is that you're ahead of the tech curve. Because you're seeing companies before it's been built. So you like, you know what's, well, you don't know. You've got an idea of what's going to be next. What's going to be next? And by the way, this is, we'll record this and then in five years time, yep, when you're right, we'll have a high five. Okay. Or I dodged a question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is my... Well, should we record reach? six versions? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Then, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, <laughs> I am going to dodge a question. So I, I'm less close than I was because I don't. I'm not looking at a thousand um, startups every year. I can't believe you're doing um, it. You're like a politician. I know. <laughs> um, the the thing that I'm looking at. Well, well. So one of the things that we you know look now looking forward to what what we're doing 
um, as, a, as a, an organization as a whole, we have 50 accelerators um, and each of those accelerators has 10 companies that go through it. So um, there are 500 companies that we're investing every year now, which means that we're number one in terms of the uh, of uh, on uh, crunch basis, the uh, global investors. Why well, see it going nuts right now? Furious. Poss- well, yeah, no, actually, they don't they don't invest as much as us. Um, so the the. Well, and also the, the more important thing about that is, and I've I've done my research. The thing about Texas that's really impressive isn't the number; it's the survival rate. Correct. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. It's, unbelievable. it's, yeah, yeah. it's like what is it? It's almost it's like ninety five percent. No, so so I think it's now eighty seven percent, which is are just either acquired or still operating. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Considering how big you are, yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. you must be doing something. Absolutely right. And yeah. I don't want this to be an advert for Techstars because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's other accelerators available. Yes. But like it is, that's an incredibly good result. It is an incredibly good result. One of the, the things that we do is you, you want to look at the MD of the particular program and see, because that's the first person you're going to really have the deep relationship with. You yeah. want to see what they've done, see that it resonates with you, see that they resonate with you and there's chemistry. But we've got, in terms of going back to this pool, we've got a pool of, you know, 500 companies that are coming through, but we've also got this much broader pool of, you know, 25, 30,000 applicants um, across our ecosystem. At the moment, we're not doing too much with that and you know, analyzing that. Yeah. But one of the things that we have a relationship with Gartner, I, what I've realized is Gartner do a hype cycle and, and say what's coming. Um, that's based on their analyst work, and it's it's mostly about talking about to, to potential company, you know, to, to companies that are developing this yeah, kind of sure. stuff. We've actually got data that could validate their hype cycles. So in theory, we would be able to say precisely where, based on the kind of the, the signal to noise that we're seeing through our yeah. all of those companies that are. Well, wait applying. a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Max. I mean, you're you're a data guy. I'm a data yeah. guy. Why don't we we should start our own VC here? We should just take that data. We can predict the future, mm-hmm. yeah, based on the hype cycle. We yeah. could we could be cleaning up. Why are we doing this? Uh, there is a company that um, started. Uh, oh, you're joking. Uh, There's always somebody who stole yeah, it first. I know. The, who I've come across, they're called Spectre, um, which he pro- he's, he's, the guy says it's definitely not Spectre from James definitely Bond. Definitely not. No. Definitely not. But he is collecting all of the information about all the private companies in the world. But um, he, he, <laughs> they're doing a tremendously good job. And now half of the Midas, um, there's a Midas list of VCs and they've just published a European one for the first time. And, and he launched his company in May this year. He now has half of that list already using his data because you're right, you can do a lot with data. Yeah. And so it, it, it so... But Gartner have been doing this for years and do a, do a good job at kind of giving laying out some landscape stuff. CB Insights. We also, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't have CB Insights. We have PitchBook instead. Yep. There's tons of data out there in order to be able to understand what the future looks like. Interestingly, the corporate partners who we work with, they're beginning to ask us exactly this question. And so, we, and did you avoid it with them? Uh, they're not asking me, they're asking <laughs> us. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I think over the next sort of 12, I mean, we did do this in the past. We had something called Textiles Vision, which was kind of, here's what's coming in down the line. Okay. I think we'll do it properly in the next 12 to 18 months where we'll have a proper view of what the future looks like. We've also got, you know, we've got 100 people on the ground in all of these accelerators who are looking at all of these trends as well. So I'm just going to gently okay. steer away okay, from fine. that. Okay, well, how, how about a simpler question, just about you? What what gets you excited? What is What are the kind of technologies that you're seeing that you're like, that's cool. I think that's something that should progress. I mean, everyone, I mean, I, 
someone the fives of hundreds of people have seen the video of you on youtube playing with the tesla uh augmented oh, yeah, uh, yeah, v- yeah, yeah. vr yeah like what what is the what something gets you excited so, so the, it's interesting because not any i mean there are specific technologies but the the thing the reason that i'm uh working in textile still is because um of what the purpose of the organization is which is to help entrepreneurs succeed and it's that that actually is the thing i like helping other people and if we can help them so one of the things that i worked on last year we've produced this thing called the entrepreneur's toolkit which is a series of kind of videos worksheets content that allows you to do various different open sourced yeah open source so anyone can get online yeah amazing yeah yeah so so it's not like yc startup school um this is you've got a specific need here if you follow these steps you will get to the outcome that you desire um, and you can either do that as, as uh, you know, as kind of theoretical or actually in the moment where you need it, if it's fundraising or if it's product development yeah, or yeah, it's yeah. customer discovery or whatever. We've got a whole ton of stuff on, on there like that. So the things that I'm really interested in, how do you amplify impact? Um, another example of that of what we do at Textiles is the Startup Weekends. So we run Startup Weekends, which is um, at the beginning of a week, you know, Friday evening, you turn up. Um, there's 50 to 100 people there. Um, everyone shares their ideas. You form little teams, and then through the weekend, there's a bit of curriculum, a bit of kind of lots of working together. And at the end, you pitch your idea. We run a thousand of those in 650 cities in 120 countries around the world every year. Um, and we also do something called Startup Week, which is a celebration of entrepreneurship in around 50 or 100 um, cities around the world. So um, across that, there's 150,000 people who are being exposed to entrepreneurship on an annual basis. And all of this, so so we have various things that we're doing across the entrepreneur. So going back to um, where we, the audience here, we, we think as people are exploring their ideas, how can we help them? How can we create the right thriving ecosystems around the world? So one of the things that we're now experiencing is cities are coming to us and say can you help us create the uh, you know startup ecosystem in our or help it flourish um then as we kind of as as people have committed going back to you know the this full-time commitment they're in i think if startups in in two phases there's the pre-product market fit and then post that pre-product market fit everything's quite messy uh you don't know who your customer is you don't know what their needs are uh, you don't know what you're offering to them. You don't know what their pain point is. You don't know how to price it. You don't know how to package it. You don't know what your routes to market are. So there's a ton of stuff that you're, yeah, yeah. you've got hypotheses, you're kind of testing those. Yeah, you're doing these you've got, like, you, I mean, you've, got you know, you've got to have a theory for all yeah. of that. You just so, don't know. And yeah, and then you're in the kind of lean startup test yeah. and learn kind of the phase. Once you begin to hit that kind of product market fit, you're then it's moving towards um repeatable scalable sales so it's like right now we need to operationalize this stuff how do we get the right people in how do we get the right sales team in going back to what you were saying mm. and so uh, i think the that you said that's kind of 50 50 in terms of product and 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 and, uh, and sales yeah I, I think there's this i think there's a time period of that so the early stage you really had kind of it does feel messy you and i were discussing and it's mm. like at that early stage it's like it's like black magic mm. and it really is. It's like it's loose and it's uncomfortable. You then move to a point where you're in this growth phase and it feels different. And then there are breakpoints in the company. So when you get to 15 people, 
or when you get to 50 people mm. or when you get to 150 yeah. people or you get to 300 people these are these are kind of there are key points in the growth cycle where things in the organization need to change particularly kind of structures communication but um so what we're trying to do at Techstars is not I mean, personally, what I'm interested in is how can we amplify all of this? Not, not how do we do any individual technology, AI, machine learning. We've got an accelerator for that. Space. We've got two accelerators for that. Defense. You know, or you know, retail. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got we 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 got all of these things that kind of we're covering. And new energy. We've got two energy accelerators. You know, all of it looking at the kind of the transition there. But all of that. I, I'm fascinated by what's in, in each of those, particularly things like energy. I'm, you know, it's up in Oslo and I've been up there and kind of mentored and there's like, how do we suck CO2 out of the atmosphere? And it's, you know, it's cool stuff like that. Amazing. And that, Amazing. Th- th- those things are really, really interesting. I've got, there's a genetics company that I invested in that's just around the corner from here. Really interesting as well. But for me, it's how do you, how do you do system design so that you can really amplify impact um, or, or and, and not necessarily kind of impact as kind of, social impact here it's we we are we're a b corp but we are um we are um you know a profit making organization we're enabling entrepreneurs how do we help them along their journey really really each of those things just much cleaner much more um much more straightforward so that all of that all of the base stuff can be taken away so that the really high value really important things that's what the entrepreneurs can focus on so that's what excites me yeah okay is is how do you how do you how do you enable them yeah i like that the i know it's really interesting so you i'm familiar with your tech stars um top three um most important parts of a startup it's the people the people the people oh yeah, yeah is that right yeah um talk to me about that like i everyone who comes on here who's an investor i always say to them like what what makes a good entrepreneur and there's lots of great theory. Okay, so it's sort of like you know, uh, I love Alex Dunstan always says, um, "What is what is it that makes a good entrepreneur?" And he still he says straight out that they can't not. Yeah, that's yes. yeah, that's what he yeah, says. yeah, they're I, compelled. Exactly, yeah. I love that, and I love uh, Warwick Hill, um, former CEO of Microsoft Startups, ran Accelerator. He's always like, "If you're a if you're a founder, it, you're you're basically being punched in the face every single day." <laughs> Like when the bomb hits, who's going to be left? Yeah, Warwick would say that. That's his way in his, in his Kiwi accent. I can't say it like he does. You're getting kicked in the face. No, he's just kicked in the teeth. That's what he says. But um, it's it's I get that. And there's a lot of these truisms that come out about resilience and so forth. But like if you guys are so big on the people, you must have other characteristics. And I have a theory, and you can tell me if I'm absolutely wrong here, and I'm happy to hear that. We say that 80% of startups fail. Okay. And people will say, why they fail? It's because of they run out of money. They don't have product market fit. They don't have, it's the wrong time. I think that the reason they fail is because the founders give up. Yeah. I think it's because they, because if you listen to all those characteristics, because they are the people who can survive and pivot and change and just keep going and just keep it on. Yeah. yeah. And what do you what do you look for when you look, find when you look at those founders because you're kicking some out because you don't think they're right? Yeah. What are the skill sets? What are the characteristics? Because the people who listen to this now who are super early stage, they might hear this and be like, "Wow, I'm pretty resilient." No one's going to say I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But then they're going to be like, "But how do? What other things are there? What other skill sets are there that they need to develop if they're going to be successful? Because that's the challenge, isn't it? It's like if I don't have those right now, how can I go and get them? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's about you as an individual 
uh, and you as a team. Um, and I, I was going to say the word I was going to use is resilience because, you know, Warwick's kicking in the teeth. I mean, this, the, it, particularly in that pre-product market fit phase that I described, it is, it's chaos. Yeah. And you got to keep moving forward. One of the, one, we, we've got a really nice story in our portfolio, of, uh, which is Sphero, which is the little BB-8. They make the BB-8 from Star Wars. Oh, but are they yeah. part of LA? Uh, and they, they went into the accelerator and they had two different things. One was a ball that rolled around and the other was... Because other balls don't. Automatically. Got it. And the other one was a garage door opener. Oh, lovely. And that's what they came in. That's the only thing that they had. What was special they, about the garage door opener? Um, I'm not sure that anything was. And anyway, they didn't pursue it. And they did this. And, you know, so... And that's an instance where... Because I, I agree with one of the points that you made where often people people say and CB Insights do a nice list of these are why startups fail yeah. and it's lack of money you know yeah. uh, no need in the market too much comp- competition I think it all boils back to we haven't got something that people want to pay for <laughs> well yeah and, yeah. And, yeah. And, but the, the, yeah. the thing that precedes that is the founders haven't found the thing that people want to pay for and so they haven't identified the right customer base they haven't really identified the right need um, and they haven't packaged the thing correctly. So all of those things that I said that you need to do in that yeah, early yeah. phase, they haven't gone about doing it. And so I just think it's a... Now, sometimes you have a strong hypothesis uh, where you, you're kind of going all in. I had a company like this called Toneboard, and they were doing... And that voice analysis, um, and voice analytics, um, and they had a strong hypothesis based on research papers that they thought that if they analyzed at scale would have some sort of useful modality for call centers and other things like that. And it turned out when they did the analysis at scale, they were wrong. And that meant that they had to pivot. Um, but even so... That doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you're finished at yeah. that point. You can c- continue on. Yeah. Um, so I, I do tend to agree, and that's why we say, we say team, 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 market yeah, traction yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, and the reason the ne- next thing is market traction idea. Idea is the bottom of the pile because this you know you test and learn, you pivot. Yeah. Um, traction shows that you have actually got resilience, so you can. It's, move a, it's a great validation of success. But yeah. the, the interesting thing is in there is market. So if if a company is in one market, it's often very hard for them to transition to something entirely new, particularly if the reason they're in the market is because they've had, you know, 15, 20 years of experience in that particular market. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah. oh, actually, this isn't working out. How are we going to get to a different market? So sometimes they're sort of trapped in in the market in which they kind of start out. Yeah. But going back to the core of your question, which is, what are you looking for in people? I do think that kind of, the, I mean, I, 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 um, a while ago, went to a whole bunch of VCs' websites or tweets or blogs or whatever on exactly this topic. Mission led, and I, I, and I, I no, and I pulled, yeah. I pulled, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I pulled out all of uh, the things that they say that they look for in founders. YC's got a good one. Um, Foundry's got a good one. Um, we had something that we were, we were saying. And so I was just pulling out and seeing all of yeah, the yeah, things yeah. that people say that they're looking for. And the reality is the whole ton of stuff, you know. There's, you know, particularly as some of the low-hanging fruit has disappeared now in terms of easy businesses to start, there are there is some value in industry expertise. 
Okay. Um, but not always. Um, sometimes it can be a hindrance. Um, well, you, at Techstars, you are predominantly working on the principle that the problems that you have across industry aren't you so your work because your your model your playbook that is a startup founder playbook correct but then we will what one of the things is we're mentor driven and so we will bring in mentors particularly for you know if it's barclays the fintech one that we do here with barclays then we'll bring in you know barclays will have a bunch of mentors then we'll bring in other fintech you know focused people so we can't that the the program sort of flexes because you've got mentors who are appropriate for for that particular for that particular universe um so industry expertise is helpful yeah uh, expertise resilience expertise being a serial entrepreneur that really helps yeah which but that's one of those catch 22s which is like it's from yeah i haven't done this before so how can i do it you know but what you do see is if you see um if you look at the outcomes those people who've done it before are more likely to succeed and does it mean they've done it before well not necessarily. Yeah, because I think there's there's something powerful, isn't there, about like if you um, you get a lot of people who failed a couple of times. Yeah. Well, a good example. I mean, you, your ex-virgin, Richard Branson. I mean, that guy's failed a bazillion times. Yeah, but it yeah. consistently been a winner either way. <laughs> it was interesting. When I, when I started Virgin, one of the claims that Richard had was he'd never shut down a company. Um, did and you? He hadn't. Did and, you launch Virgin Cola? And well, I, what I did do is analyze the whole of the portfolio to understand what what had and hadn't worked, uh, and then we restructured the entire portfolio on the back of that. Uh, and that was the first time that we went through shutting down a whole bunch of companies. We oh, sold right. a bunch of stuff. We restructured. Yeah, because be like, just because you haven't shut it down doesn't mean it's a success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. <laughs> we're I get pouring you. more money into that. Yeah. So, but yeah, so being a serial entrepreneur is definitely helpful. Um, yeah. Just because you've been through it, you know. Yeah. One of the things about uh, entrepreneurship, even though I said we put out this um, uh, entrepreneurs toolkit, a lot of what's in there is actually makes you get out of the building and go and do stuff because. A kind of entrepreneurship is a contact sport. You can't sit in a classroom and learn it. You have to. It's learn by doing. I love that um, phrase. It's a contact sport. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah. So, so it's like you can't sit there and learn it all, and then actually expect to be a brilliant entrepreneur. You have to do mm. stuff. Um, so the, the other thing that's quite useful is rather than people. Because as you said, people would be sat at home watching this thinking, yeah, I'm really resilient. It's quite useful to have examples of resilience. Um, So we'll ask about examples of that. Yeah. Um, There's also, because because you want to know it's real rather than you're like, I conceptually think I'm resilient, but yeah. actually I've had these 10 instances where I've demonstrated that I haven't been. I or, quit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, the, oh, the co-founders. That's the other thing is what's the functioning of the team? That's How, a massive one. Isn't um, it? Yeah. So that's definitely something that we explore, which is what are the team dynamics? Uh, so how long have they known each other? Uh, so that's interesting. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. So taking a step back, because I, I really want to drill into this because it's something that, I think is um, isn't spoken about enough is the co-founder paradigm and how to establish it. Yeah. Because first of all, I think that um, you, without saying it, you're saying that if you identify a co-founder, what you're doing is you're saying you've got to have some serious self-awareness to realize you need a co-founder because. I, when, when I started a company, like if I just sat there and I'm in the gaming industry and I would have been like, I don't know anything about video games. You know, I know a bit about starting companies to generate revenue, but I don't know about 
about gaming. So you've got to look at yourself and tick those Work boxes. Out, yeah, where the skills where are, the gaps where the are. gaps yeah. And then if someone has that, that's why I think, uh, is that why it's so attractive to you guys to have a, a co-founder? Because you've got, like, you've got one founder who's self-aware enough to realize he's not perfect, so he's going to find other people. And that's a powerful skill set. So we, we, I mean, we did the analysis and you see co-founders, you also see diverse teams. Um, the, the outcomes are just more, they're, they're, they're better, the outcomes, yeah. uh, versus sole founders. That doesn't mean that being a sole founder, you can't succeed. It just means that the odds are better if you co-founders. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, and, and then you have to kind of rationalize why that is. I haven't seen any research this way, so I have various hypotheses. One, one is like, you're bound to have terrible days. And you're also, you know, as um, you were describing earlier on, sometimes you're, you're sat there in the middle of the night, just unable to sleep, worrying about things. And if you wake up the following morning and you, you're absolutely beat and you're like, I can't go, can't go on with this. But you've got someone else who's next to you, two, you know, one, two, three other people next to you who are... Maybe not in the same bed. Not in the same bed. Yeah. <laughs> next to you when you get to work, your workplace. Because <laughs> you said you always know how well they knew each other. <laughs> you're not implying that... <laughs> I, I mean, I have had uh, uh, married couples who've come on and actually... Those have tended to work reasonably well. I have this theory about that. I there'd be about Barry Cup. Who was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about your your partner being yeah. part of the management team. I'm like, dude, she owns fifty percent of the shares from the fact that we're married anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, married is different than girlfriend. Relatively recent girlfriend boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Um, we're diverging. Okay, anyway, so you, so you, you who's going to be there for you to support you? Yeah. So so someone's there for, you know, you're having a yeah. tough time, someone supports you and vice versa. Um, but you also know that you're going to go through tough times. So some of the stuff that we look at is when have you gone through tough times? Um, first of all, have you have you known each other and worked with each other long enough to actually know how you how you'll experience that? Yeah, because just the very nature of a startup, because of that uncertainty and the messiness, means that you are going to have some conflict at times. Yeah, how do you deal with that in a positive way rather than a negative way, and rather kind of spiraling down? And so we'll kind of we we'll often kind of in the interview process press on that as to you know how 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 well are you how well are you kind of yeah navigating difficult circumstances as a team so that's something that we will probe as well um and do you so i think i mean i i agree it's, it's super important and obviously you've got infinite experience and, and you've got evidence to support that so say for example someone listening to this right now they've had that idea they're a founder of them they know they've got a gap but they're like my mates are losers. <laughs> yeah, like, how am I going to go find someone to start a company with? Because yeah, I'm looking at my, yeah, I mean, one of my co-founders is is um, is my best friend, but and it's helpful that he's very competent. It's, 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 it's helpful that he happens to be very good. But if you like, but if you've got a gap, like, what do you, how do you find that co-founder? So, so, so one of the things... One of the things about friends and working with them is it's generally a terrible idea. I know, yeah. Um, I mean, any, I mean. I, ideally, if you are working with someone, I don't know what the case is for you, is the, that you've worked with them before, you've made ah, friends with them via work, so you know them from a work context, rather than you know a childhood friend you grow up with. Yeah. I, just the amount of times that I've seen those friendships just... just Absolutely destroyed, imagine, yeah. Because the, you know the, you, that that's not the nature it's of the boss friendship. paradigm, isn't it? It's yeah, as well, yeah, it's yeah, difficult yeah. because one yeah, of yeah. you is going to be the boss, yeah. And you're like, well, they're not like that outside of work. Why all of a sudden now is it all right for you to be on my yeah. boss here? Yeah, like you know, I mean, look, P 
people make it work, you yeah. know, and and it's and it there's an absolute but it's hard. Yeah, no, it's hard. And uh, but I think if if you've worked with a person before and your friends, it's easy. Yeah, sure. If you are friends and then you decide to work together, there's a whole universe that you haven't explored of how to deal with difficult yeah. situations, which you haven't had to face as kind of as friends. Um, so yeah, so how do I find one? Yeah, so how do you find one? Um, there's not a good answer, is there? Yeah, there's not a good answer. Yeah, it, it's it's you do you need? I mean, I think your a couple of your points was you need some self awareness as to what um, mm. what you're good and what you're bad at, and you need the. Um, humility to identify those weak points and find other people who are better than you mm -hmm. at those things. And that can be quite, you know, that can be quite difficult, but it's a feather flock together. You end up with a bunch of people who look just like you in your company. That's not diverse. And it also means that you, you as a group have gaps rather than you as an individual have gaps and they're kind of reinforcing mm -hmm. gaps. So, I think you do need to be really careful. You need to be really kind of honest with yourself as to where you need that support. The other thing that's that's I think is so important, um, but that's really hard as well. Amazon had this concept of of um, hiring up to increase. So you always you're hiring to increase the average of the team. So if you're hiring, you're always moving it up in terms of how good the team is. That's a really hard thing to do. I like it though. But it's brilliant. Yeah. Because, but it's this classic thing of A players will hire A plus people, B players will hire C players. Yeah. Because the B players are scared that the C players- I see, I, I, I always think that that is the classic example of someone who is not a leader. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you are, if you, the, the, the irony of leadership people don't seem to understand is if you get people who are better than you at your job beneath you, they will lift you up. Yeah. Okay. And make you better. And your job as a leader yeah. is to enable. Exactly. That. It's not, it's the idea of command and control and holding people down and kind of rigid structures. I mean, maybe when you're at massive scale, but even then you have to have, yeah. you know, freedom and, 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 and. Uh, flexibility within the organization yeah so uh but i do think I, I you know going back to the earlier point that you made which is why do companies fail yes there's issues around money and market you know need but there are consequences but there are consequences to yeah. people and you want in the organization just to have exceptional people um <laughs> even if for no other reason then this is why you're spending the most of your life you want to be surrounded by a bunch of people who are just excellent committed passionate so that yeah. at least the journey is going to be an amazing journey even if the outcome isn't great is that and when your dev team comes to you and they say your lead dev and he comes to your cto and he says look um, just so you know um I fucked up and i've everything's broken and it's gonna take another three months before we launch yeah that needs to be someone that you like yeah <laughs> otherwise you end up in prison <laughs> so you gotta make sure you get that right yeah. okay and uh, so we're getting to the end of the show um and we have this section on it which um is basically looking you've you're you're an incredibly young man and uh, but you've had some experience yes. and if you looked back and you were to give ex one piece of advice to yourself or to a startup right now who's just had that idea what would be the first thing you say to them go and do this first okay and the second thing is tell them what shouldn't they waste their time on because there's a lot of time wasting when you start a company mm. 
The thing you should definitely do is go and validate the idea. You've got a hypothesis, you need to test it. Yeah. So you need to you need to get it in front of as enough people who are going to be the consumer of that thing. And that's potentially if it's deep tech where it's, you know, it's much more conceptual. But even in deep tech, you can have the kind of idea of use cases, which you can test conceptually the idea of those use cases. But, you know, for most organizations, you can go and speak to the people who are going to be your customers, go and do that and understand what their real needs are and whether this is going to address it. Because if you're going to, I have this kind of, um, again, it's CB Insights data, the length of time to get to an exit is eight years once you've got VC funding, average. Uh, and that's only is if Is that you, the modal? Is that the mean? Like, it was, so this is, that seems like a long this, time. This is, I think, the average. This is the mean. Um, and, uh, but that's only if you actually get to an exit. Most companies don't get to an exit, remember? Yeah. So, and, and to get to VC, you've probably had two years before that. So, so the, the, the average period, if you have success, is 10 years. You're going to spend a decade of your life doing something. Make sure it's it's a good idea. And the way to find out whether it's a good idea or not is to ask the people yeah. who are going to buy the thing. Okay. So that's definitely what you should do. Get out of the building, go and talk to customers um, or potential customers. Yep. Uh, what not to do? Uh, oh, unless there's very specific reasons why, don't get caught up in the glamour of being a startup. I think that's mostly faded now, but people going to conferences and speaking on stage or people entering prizes and winning prizes all the time. Oh. It's like, unless this is moving your business forward in some way, you are just wasting your time. You may feel good from an ego perspective, but it's not moving the, the thing forward. Awards don't increase valuation. They don't win customers. They get you a little bit of PR. And, and they yeah. can be, if, if you're going to use it in a specific way, so an award, if an if the award means that you're going to be able to close customers more more easily because it, you've got some credibility from that award, yeah, then that. maybe then maybe it's worth having. But what if you're winning best startup? Like, like, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you bought a table. So uh, allow yeah, yeah. allow those things to come to you. Don't pursue those. Get things. it? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, look, it's been great, Max. I really appreciate it, and thanks for coming on. Thank you.